Home of Super Bowl 58 between the 49ers and the Chiefs. This is KPIX CBS News Bay Area. Good evening. I'm Andrea Nakano. Some of us in the Bay Area may have seen some sprinkles already, but the heart of the storm is just hours away. Here's a live look over the Bay Area from our camera on top of the Salesforce Tower. Let's get right to first alert meteorologist, meteorologist excuse me, Darren, uh, who's been tracking the system. Let's take a look at the rain right off the coast now, Andrea. So we're just seeing the leading edge of the showers just about to overtake much of the bay. And if we time this out, give it a couple of hours before you start to notice the rain moving over the South Bay. And then between about 10 o'clock tonight and sunrise tomorrow, there's going to be pretty widespread, steady, heavy rain. There will be a little more of a focus on the North Bay here, as there almost always is. But everybody's going to get a fair amount of rain out of this. Once we get to about noon tomorrow, we'll kind of start breaking it up. And it'll be on again, off again, showers hit and miss. Maybe an occasional thunderstorm will be mixed in. So from now till noon, when the majority of this rain's going to fall, we pick up about two inches, maybe a little more in the North Bay. And in the South Bay, it's about an inch and a half. So, yes, there is a flood watch here because of that. But here's the crucially important distinction. This storm is going to have impacts statewide. And the impacts that are going to be the worst are in Southern California. And we're going to hear a lot of messaging coming out from Cal OES about the degree of concern and risk. Make no mistake, we've got a flood watch. We've got to take that seriously. But when you hear the real strong alarm bells, just know that it's primarily focused on the impacts this storm is going to have in Southern California. It's a big storm. When we get back together again, I'm going to show you why it's going to take a few days to get through and why it's uniquely positioned to be a bigger wind concern for us, actually. Tomorrow morning, I'll be back with more on that in just a few minutes. For now, Andrea, back to you. All right. Thanks, Darren. Before the storm started moving in, we saw a lot of people out at Ocean Beach in San Francisco. Some surfers took advantage of the big waves. We spoke to one surfer visiting from Aptos. It actually looks pretty good when you're far away. And then when you get a little closer, you're like, OK, it's actually pretty serious. And it looks like it's going to get a little more serious. Unless you're really into cardio exercise, that's no fun right there. What's behind me? State officials are sounding the alarm. They say two million Americans are in the storm's path. As Darren mentioned, the biggest dangers by far are in Southern California. But John Ramos has more on how people in the East Bay have been getting ready. It's the calm before the storm here in the Bay Area. And while most people have already made their preparations from past rainstorms, the state of California is saying you ain't seen nothing yet. The clouds still hung high over the Bay Area for most of the day, perhaps lulling some into a false sense of security. But state leaders were doing everything they could to warn people about the atmospheric river approaching the region. Ensure that if you don't have to travel, that you're not out and about during this storm. This is a very, very dangerous storm. And if you don't need to be on the roadways during this storm event, we're asking you to please, please postpone any non-essential travel until after the storm passes. Areas that could be impacted include the Bay Area and Central Valley, especially on Sunday. This storm could have just as big, if not bigger, impacts than any individual storm from last year. The state says it has prepositioned 5 million sandbags statewide, activated swift water rescue teams, and has collected food, cots, and blankets for shelters for the homeless. The predictions are pretty dire, but after other recent storms, many with fears of flooding have already done what they can. 
So on the day before the storm, people in the East Bay were getting as much outside time as possible before it was time to hunker down. At Heather Farm Park in Walnut Creek, the playground was jammed with kids. We couldn't even park in the parking lot here. We had to go across the street to get over here. So everybody's trying to get their energy out, get their kids outdoors before the rainstorm comes. You want to get their energy out so that they sleep, that they eat well, and uh, you don't have just craziness, craziness in the house. It means your kids are going to bounce off the walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that why everybody's here today? Yeah, for sure. Get Run them as hard as you can possibly run them. <laughs> yeah. But the grown-ups were out as well. A group of volleyball players were getting in some time on the sand court, bragging that they played rain or shine. Can you play beach volleyball in the pouring rain? Uh, drizzle, sure. What's well, that going to be a drizzle <laughs> yeah. tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow, no, I don't think so. <laughs> the same was true in Oakland, where cycling has become a habit for Paul Belknap. Yeah, I do get a little cranky if I don't don't get a ride in every couple of days. We've got a lot of rain coming, and it probably won't be good for riding for a couple days so you know even especially if we have road closures or something like that. And at the all-weather fields along the Berkeley waterfront Carlos Solis was helping coach a group of peewee soccer players while things were still dry but he remembers with pride a game from two years ago where he and his co-ed team played in a driving rain. We still have the pictures of it that's still like a memory that we have that we look back and we're like, we actually showed up. We actually showed up and played. Finally, we found Dominic Robertson taking in the view from the top of Hiller Highlands. He's a life coach in Southern California and has a pretty philosophical way of looking at bad weather. In the moment of where I'm at, I'm enjoying that moment. So I, would, I, I, I refuse to let the, the weather dictate what's going on or affecting me. There are plenty of warnings about the coming storm, but it's not a bad idea to remember that while it may dictate our movement, it doesn't have to dictate our lives. We'll be tracking the storm throughout the weekend. You can stay with us on the air or on CBS News Bay Area stream and on our website, kpix.com. Well, one event that was able to beat the storm, San Francisco's Chinatown is kicking off the Lunar New Year with some celebrations. A flower fair took place with big crowds. The event featured a variety of New Year items for sale ahead of the Year of the Dragon. Before Chinese New Year, we usually buy a lot of greeting uh, products and uh, to, to celebrate at home. So, so we sell a lot of uh, greeting cards, uh, greeting posters, flowers to decorate, to prepare for Chinese New Year. Meantime, a great turnout at the Tet Festival in the Tenderloin. City officials, including Mayor London Breed, also attended the event. This is the most important celebration in Vietnamese culture as families and friends gather to bring in the new year. That was a B-1 bomber taking off and heading towards Syria and Iraq. It's video from U.S. Central Command. The military has been launching airstrikes on the two countries since yesterday. The U.S. says this is retaliation after Iran-backed rebels killed three American soldiers in Jordan last weekend. Christian Benavides has more on the escalations and who the U.S. is targeting. 
images broadcast on Syrian state TV claiming to show the impact of U.S. airstrikes in the region. The retaliatory airstrikes took place across Iraq and Syria. The Defense Department says it hit several sites, including command and control centers, weapons depots, and drone storage facilities, all of them linked to Iran's Revolutionary Guard and affiliated militia groups. But the U.S. did not hit targets inside Iran. You know, the goal here is to get these uh, attacks to stop. We are not looking for a war with Iran. In a call with reporters, Biden administration officials said the strikes specifically targeted groups that meant to do Americans harm. Since the start of the Israel-Hamas war, U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria have been targeted at least 165 times. This wasn't just a message-sending routine tonight. This was about degrading capability. Iran has also reacted to the strikes, the country's interior minister condemning the attacks, saying it will naturally lead to the flames of the resistance and that the U.S. should act wisely. The response came five days after a drone struck sleeping quarters and an American outpost in Jordan, injuring 40 and killing Army Reservist soldiers Will Rivers, Brianna Moffat, and Kennedy Sanders. President Biden ordered the strikes just hours after he attended the dignified transfer of the remains of those three U.S. soldiers. Well, meanwhile, on the Red Sea and U.S. and Britain have struck at least three dozen, three dozen Houthi targets in Yemen. The U.S. says it's been targeting weapons and controls that the Houthis are using against American and Israeli ships. Back here in the United States, House Speaker Mike Johnson says the House will vote next week to throw an additional $17 billion on top of the funds already going to Israel. The standalone bill has no offsetting budget cuts, and Speaker Johnson says he's not happy about it. Meantime, the Senate has put together its own package that would provide money for Israel and Ukraine, and also deals with border security. Turning now to the race for the White House, very little drama in the South Carolina primary as President Biden is cruising to a win. It's the first time South Carolina has kicked off the primary season for Democrats. Iowa and New Hampshire were traditionally the first two states to hold nominating contests. The DNC says it puts South Carolina first because the state better reflects the country's racially diverse electorate. Now, the three top Democrats running for California Senate seats spoke at an LGBTQ plus forum in Los Angeles today. Democratic representatives Katie Porter, Adam Schiff and Barbara Lee participated in the forum. Moderators asked them questions on how issues impact the state's LGBTQ community when it comes to health care and housing. I am willing to call out government officials who are asleep at the wheel or not delivering. That means holding entities like big insurance accountable when they deny care for PrEP or mental health care. We need to make sure that those resources come back and they provide housing for those who are most desperately in need of housing. And a lot of those folks are people that were made homeless because of who they are. Uh, so I'm going to continue to fight to bring those resources back. Gender-affirming care, we have to include that in all of our health care reform efforts. I have fought to close these uh, health care gaps and will continue to do so. Okay, here's a look at where they are standing right now in that Senate race. According to a poll by professors at USC, Cal Poly, Pomona, and CSU Long Beach, Schiff is currently leading with 25% of the vote. Porter is tied with the leading Republican candidate, former Dodgers player Steve Garvey, both at 15%, and Lee trails with 7%. 29% of the people polled say they are still undecided.
Well, California's oldest high school is dragging an entire campus hall across the street today. You're looking here at Birchman's Hall on the campus of Bellarmine College Prep in San Jose. They managed to lift the 107-year-old building off the ground, get it on wheels, and then drive it across Elm Street as part of a project to transform the school's look and layout. I think it's nice that they're preserving history and that it's going to continue to be in use and not just degrade and fall apart like so many other older homes in the area. Birchman's Hall was originally built in 1916. Once this project is done, it will house admin offices as part of a new campus entrance in what's now just a parking lot. It's expected to be done in fall of 2025. We will see you back here at 11. Good night.